You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Ephesians chapter 3. So Paul writes this letter, right, to the church in Ephesus. Um, he's saying some, some hard things, right? He spent the first two chapters reminding them that they are saved by grace. Uh, they stand in grace. What's another word for grace? Or how would you describe grace? I need some participation. How would you describe grace? I know you got something to say. I know who you are. How would you describe grace? Yeah, look at you, Susan. Like you read my notes. God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's the point, right? Like God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. What's interesting is how God calls us to grace, right? Like he calls us to receive grace and to give grace. And if we ever think about it, that means we're called to do for others what they can't do for themselves, which means we aren't on the hook for trying to decide who can do what for themselves, which is interesting, right? Because we, we don't do things for people because we say you can do for yourselves. And that's the, what we call the opposite of grace. Um, so, so that's a side point. Um, so in the first two chapters, Paul reminds the church that they are saved by grace and they're formed by grace. He reminds them of their identity, their identity, that their identity in Christ is secure. All right, and then he gets to chapter 3. Well, actually, toward the end of chapter 2, he talks about how they now have a citizenship with the kingdom of God. They were once foreigners in the kingdom of God, but now they're citizens. What does it mean to be a foreigner? Come on. What's it mean to be a foreigner? To be an outsider, right? Like, so Paul says, you are all outsiders, especially you Gentiles. Raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Raise your hand if you're not sure you're a Gentile. I just want to make sure. All right, yeah, like, so, so we were all outside of Christ. We were all outside of the kingdom of God. There was nothing royal about us, but in Christ, we were made royal. In Christ, we are brought in as citizens of the kingdom of God, right? So now we're insiders, and we've been made one with one another. Look at verse 19 of chapter 2. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. So not only that, we're also now a household. What is the word household? What, is that, what, what does that conjure in the imagination? What does that provoke? Family. So we're not just, what I love about Paul's language is Paul's like mixing all kinds of metaphors. We're not just now citizens of a new nation. Man, I wish we could get that. We're not just citizens of a new, eternal, primary nation. We're now also members of the household. We're a household. What does that make us? Like, as much as you may not like that, right? Like, that makes Ariel your crazy brother, right? Like, like, like that, that, that's the thing. Like, that's who he is now, right? That's who we are. And just like family, what do families do sometimes? And that everybody says that fight, disagree. Nobody says love well. You know, what I'm like you never do it. Like kind to one another. No, everybody's like fight and fuss. Like okay, so family sometimes fight and fuss. But in the kingdom of God, do you get to choose who's in your family? No more than you could give the kid back when it was you know look differently. Like I go, that's not what I expect. You know, and you try to give it back to the doctor. It doesn't work that way, right? Like you, you. It's not like marriage where you get to choose who you marry. You only get to choose Christ. We only get to choose Christ or not. You don't get to choose me. You don't get to choose, you don't get to choose anybody here. Now, that right there, how could that change church? Just that alone. If we really, really committed our lives to that, how would that change church? Come on, y'all have got opinions. Okay, yeah. Well, what would that, how would that change church for you? 
I'm going to call on somebody. Okay, more, how would that give you peace and comfort that you don't get to choose people in the church? Okay, so, okay. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. So it kind of gives it, lets us off the hook, right? Like, I don't have to play the, the, you know, I don't have to play the game of choosing who's in and who's out. All right. So let me ask an obvious question. How does that give us great discomfort? Come on, somebody be honest. Huh? <laughs> right, right. We don't get to choose. Penny's like, we don't get to choose. Like, um, <laughs> let me make a list. Um, no, we don't get to choose and, and we don't get to choose who we like. But that's the thing. Like, we can divide over different understandings of Scripture. And you know who's going to sort all that out? The king. That's why he said the wheats and the tares thing. He said, don't worry about separating wheats from tares. It's in the Bible. It's not our job. The angel, like, he'll handle that. Now, does that let us off the hook for studying Scripture? Of course not. That's, that's ridiculous, right? And it's funny. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to even think that, that we are let off the hook for understanding what God is up to in the world. That's just, that's just crazy. Um, we're not off the hook there. Uh, but we're not off the hook on loving one another as we're doing all that. There's not a one over the other. It's a both and. All right. So he calls that out, and that makes us a household. So then he goes on and he says that we are to, to live this way. We're to live like it, and that's hard. That's very hard. So before he gets into all the practical, he says a prayer. So he spends the first, Peter, uh, Paul spends the first, uh, what, two and a half chapters laying out a reminder as to who you are because of whose you are, like who we are. This is who we are. Who, 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 what, what, this is who we are. Before he ever tells us what to do, he reminds us of who we are. We are a household and we're citizens of the eternal nation of God. And that's almost like, Paul, I wish Paul, Paul could have just paused there and then give a second Ephesians, right? So then he says this, and he goes, verse 14, For this reason, then, with all this in whom we have boldness and confidence, Jesus, all that, for this reason, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner person through his Spirit. Strengthened with what? Power through where? 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 In the inner person. And that the Christ or the King may dwell in your hearts through faith. Another word for faith is allegiance. This isn't just mere belief. This is a loyalty. That I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. Rooted, firmly established in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depths of God's love and to know the Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, is he writing this to individuals or to a church? To a church. And I know that we love to read it as individuals. That is not how this is written. Does it apply to individuals? Yes, but only within the context of the church. To read it outside of that is to misapply the like it's to misapply the Bible. So it applies to you, but it applies to me, but it applies to you and me within us. You're going to see this play out. Now to him 
who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The power that works where? In us. So who's the us? We, the church. So the power that works within us. Now, does the power work within each one of us? Yes, because the Holy Spirit lives where? In each one of us. But we are stones. Peter would say we're all stones of a bigger temple. You're a living stone. Together, we build what? A temple. That's why when he says you're the temple of God, he's talking to the church. When Peter talks to individuals, he says each one of you are living stones. We're a stone as a part of the temple. What if you're a stone who decides not to be a part of the temple? What are you? Just a stone. <laughs> a rolling stone. Right? Like, like you're, you're a stone. But, but yeah, you're, you're a stone. But when you come together, we build something. So when we're apart, what are we? We're stones. But when we're together, we're what? We're a temple. All right, this is the thing. This is the thing. To him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask, think, or imagine according to the power works in us. So what can God not do? Right, there's nothing you can't do, right? Like, so Paul wants us to know whether you ask, think, or imagine. So is God beyond any request? Is God beyond any imagination? No, they, he, he, he is more than we can fathom. Do we believe it? Like together. Like I get that Harvey may not believe it this week, or Courtney may not believe it this week, or Art may not believe it this week, or Danielle may not believe it this week. But when one of us don't believe it this week and we come together, do we believe it this week? Some of us do. And so some of us piggyback the other. You know the story of the four friends who lower the friend, who lower the paralyzed friend down into the house so that Jesus can be healed? Sometimes we're the paralyzed friend and sometimes we're the four friends, aren't we? But that only happens when we're together. It only happens when we're trying to do life together. I had somebody ask me, why don't you give a lot of sermons on how I can live my Christian life? I do. It's just uh, we're too busy missing the fact that we're called not to do it individually. We live our Christian life together. That's the thing. He says, then to him be the glory in the church, Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. All right, now to the text. This is where I want to go. Therefore, therefore I. So remember, I wanted to read all this because we had to get to the therefore part. All right, so therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have what? Receive. What does receive mean? Come on, I know I'm doing rhetorical stuff now. What does receive mean? Given. You, you, you have been given it. Did you take it? Did you take it? No, you received it. Have you noticed in the Lord's, we don't say, we should not say take. I know it's, I know it's, a, okay, it's splitting hairs. I get that, but I'm, I'm, I'm a legalist when it comes to language. We receive the bread and the wine because the word take has what image to it? Grabbing, but we receive has what image to it? Receive. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting or welcoming one another in love, there's hospitality diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. The peace that binds us is not an absence of conflict and chaos. What's peace? What's peace mean? It's a human flourishing. It's working for the good. It's watching God do good within us. It's the wholeness and well-being of a community that binds us. It's a bigger ethic and a bigger call. It's not, it's not a lack of conflict or a lack of chaos. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in all. Do you like that? Who is above all? Read that with me. Who is above all and through all and in all. Where is God? And, and that's what I want you to see. Paul's language is purposeful. God doesn't say God is everywhere. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, Paul, God is everywhere. He says he's in all, through all, and above all. Like there's no crack no point in any place in the world that God cannot somehow be found. Now, who knows what God looks like? Raise your hand. Oh, everybody raise your hand, please. Have you seen Jesus? God looks like Jesus, right? In Christ, the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. I'm quoting Paul. So let me, let me, let me ask you again. Raise your hand if you know what God looks like. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Easiest answer ever, right? Like Jesus. So those of us who know what God looks like in Jesus should know how to find God in the world. Jesus looks like love. He looks like healing. Matter of fact, Paul said God is what? Love. Love. So love and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, all of those things, we see that we should be the ones who identify that. We should know that God is in that. All right. Now, then he says, he says, now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Christ's of the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity, he gave gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean? Except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth. That's why we talk about how the ascension isn't just about going up. Ascension is going to the spiritual realms because part of that is God Christ, when he went to the spiritual realms, he went to the heavens and he went to the hells and he went to all the places where, where, where there is creation, uh, whether it's invisible or visible. And he descended and said, the one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. There's not a place in the cosmos that Christ hasn't been. From the highest point of heaven to the lowest point of hell, Christ has been there. Verse 11, and he personally gave some to be the, to be apostles. What does the word apostle mean? It's not just, it's not just the ones you read about in the, the word apostle means something. It means sent one. It means sent one. I know that many of us think there were only 12 of them, but if you read church history and you read other letters, there were not just 12 of them. It's sent ones. The ones who were sent and anointed by God sent out, the sent ones. To some, he, he made apostles, some prophets. What's a prophet? Come on. What's a prophet? We're running out of time. Okay, what's a prophet? Okay, a teacher, a truth teller, a teacher, a truth teller. Um, it's not just a future seer, it's a forth teller, not just a foreteller, someone who tells the truth, someone who, who's just kind of wired that way. Some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now let's read this together. Why did he give a why did he give the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Some of them, not all, but some. Verse 12, let's read it together. For the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ, keep going, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a statue measured by Christ's fullness. Raise your hand if you're a saint. Okay, let me, let me say. Anytime I say raise your hand this morning, it's going to, like, it's, it means all of us. <laughs> right? Like, so just, yeah, that's it. Like, so raise your hand if you're a saint. Because what does saint mean? I know everybody's like, I don't know, but I think I am one. Oh, uh, you said do it, so I'm going to trust you. No, it, it means someone who's set apart. Like, like we are made saints, not because of our behavior, but because of our identity. That's the point. Like in the very first letter, look, look in, the, in the very first verse of Ephesians' letter, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints 
in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. We're saints. We're not sinners. We're saints who sin, but we're not sinners. That's not our identity. Say, I'm a saint, not a sinner. But I'm a saint who sins. Sometimes we do. But that's not our identity. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in us. We're, we're being reformed. We're being transformed. So it drives me nuts. We're like, well, I'm just a sinner. I'm not. I'm a saint. But I stumble like a madman sometimes. My identity is not grounded in my behavior, nor am I no longer, I'm no longer a citizen of the reign of sin and death. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are saints. We are saints. You're a saint. So why did God give you the staff of this church and the elders of this church? Why did God decide to give you me and Dave and Aaron and Garrett and the leadership? Why? Why? For training. That's your language, for training. All right, so let's do some jumping jacks. No, like for training. What does that then presuppose on your part? What do you have to do to be trained? Come on. You got you to learn, but what else? You got to listen. Yeah, okay, but let's think about the meta. Like Paul uses the language. So let's say you're training for um, a triathlon. Do you, do, yeah, thank you, practice. You don't just sit there and go, oh, you run fast. Okay, we run. Wear short shorts. Okay, short shorts, tight shirt. Like that's not what you do when you, when you train for a thri- triathlon. I'm told, because I've never trained for one. I'm told that you have to physically do stuff. You have to practice. So then what is, so we, so the leadership of a church has to train you, not do it for you. Which means you got to get out and do stuff. And then we got to be faithful in equipping you to do stuff, to live fully into your identity. Now, what's the purpose? So we can all be tired and have more things on our to-do list? Okay, but not just that. Let's look at the text. First off, if we are all trained in the work of ministry, which another word for ministry is what? Service. In the work of service, service to what? Not to spread God's word alone. What are we serving? Not just, don't just say God, because we already know that. Serving God to what end? Serving God to what end? For the good of all people. Like God, remember, the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a what? So then what are we supposed to do? What are we about? Yeah, are we just about getting people's souls into heaven when they die? Is that all that God's cared about? Does God only care about life outside of this life? Or does he care about life now? That's why there are more commands. Did you know there are over 300 commands to take care of the poor? 300. Gossiping and lying is admitted like four times. In terms of violation of sin, if you, there are 300 verses that talk about when you don't care for the poor, you're in sin. 300. Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done what? So it's, this is all of this, right? If we don't learn to love people now, do you think they'll understand the love of God forever? So, so God calls us to go out and, and be a part of this work, right? So when we take part, when we train in the work of ministry, is it work? Come on, is it work? Is it hard work loving an unlovable person? Is it hard work loving someone out of poverty, out of addiction? Come on, keep saying yes. Yes is going to be the answer. Keep doing it. Come on. I want to even see David Deal was like, yes. Like even do some nonverbals, David Deal. Do it. Now, yes. Is it hard work being with the hurting? Yes. Is it hard work going out of your way to take food for somebody who needs food? Everybody but Donna's like, no, it's not. 
No, it is not hard work, Sunshine Ministry, everybody. No, it is not. No, but is it hard work reorganizing your schedule to do something for the good of somebody else? Yes, it is. I mean, I know it's easy in somebody, but the fact is it costs us something. And anything that costs us something is sometimes hard. It's, it's work. That's why it's called work. I just want to point out the reason it's called work. The work of service. The work of service. The work of ministry. Is it hard work overcoming your own addictions? Own your own habits and your own hangups? Yes, it's work. Training for the work of ministry to do what? To build up the who? The body of Christ. Raise your hand if you're the body of Christ. Ah, there we go. We're getting it now. Yeah. The body of Christ. Reel up the body of Christ. For the weak arms among us to make them strong. For the weak legs to make them strong. For the weak backs to make them strong. For the hurting minds to make them strong. For the hurting hearts to make them strong. So we serve each other. So the kingdom of God starts by serving each other. If we can't take care of each other, are we going to take care of someone outside of us? We're not. If we can't adequately love each other, we can't adequately love people outside of us. That's why the Bible says, do good unto all people, especially the household of faith, Galatians. There is a priority there. So we learn to build each other up until we all reach what? Unity. What is unity? Togetherness. It's not uniformity. doesn't mean we're all going to agree with the same thing. No. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is the fact that we're people organized around something together. We're organized around the mission of God together. And we learn to live in all of our differences and diversities in a way that loves well. Now, do we have the power to do this? Because in chapter 3, verse 14, what was the prayer? I pray that you will know the power that works where? So raise your hand if you have the power to live this out. Okay, now here's the question then. The only question is, do you have the will to do it? Are you willing to pay a price for it? Am I willing to pay a price for it? Every one of us pay a price. It's only a question of which one we're paying. It's work. And here's the thing. If we stick to this, we will grow in what? The knowledge of God's Son. You know what the word knowledge means? This isn't intellectual knowledge. It means experiential knowledge. If you want to experience Christ, then do life in community. Or do life in your prayer closet and your Bibles alone in your Bible and tell me how much that helps you experience Christ. You won't know the fruit of the Spirit if there's nobody in your life testing you. Fruit of the Spirit can't be patience if nobody tests your patience. This kind of maturity in Christian faith only happens in community. It doesn't happen in solo projects. But then when we live into this life together and we see forgiveness when there shouldn't have been forgiveness, we see reconciliation where there should have been division, we see hope where there shouldn't have been hope, we see justice where there were injustice, then we can see, then we grow into a mature people measured by the fullness of Christ. In other words, then we look like Jesus as a community. And if we do this, let's read this together, verse 14. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. This isn't just talking about false doctrine. This is just saying that when we live into this, we will not just be, 
We won't be taken away by all of the various different places in life. We won't be taken away by all of the different philosophies of the world that can distort us and that take us away from our citizenship of the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, in the United States of America in 2018, we need this word more than anything. Because too many of us placed our hope on Capitol Hill and we're walking right by Calvary's Hill. And we need as a people to anchor ourselves in this thing. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. The whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. Raise your hand if you're a ligament. That's gross, I know, but that's what we are. You're a ligament. So here's the thing. When Janet isn't being Janet the ligament, then, then we're limping. Raise your hand. And if, okay, this isn't necessarily for everybody. No, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If you have decided that this is your church, then you have said, I will bring my ligament self to this body and I will find where I fit. And I will get trained in how I fit. And I will fit. And I will work. I'll be a part of the body. My question, next slide, Bert. Am I training in the work of ministry and engaged in the common life of WCC as though I am participating in God's mission in the places and spaces where I look and where I work, where I live? Am I training? In what way are you training? Am I training in the work of ministry by serving the church and building it up with my time and resources? Are you? Are you just, are your kids just too busy? Like, this is just a fair question. It's in light of the text. Or do I have all kinds of extra friendships outside of the church? Am I just, have I just taken the easier route to build friendships outside of the church? And because I know we're building them within, it's just too hard. Because it is. Because here we don't get to choose, but when we go to groups outside, we do get to choose. I'm saying have both. It's a both and. It's not an either or. It's a both and. It's a both and. Am I, am I, am I that? Keep going. Am I tending to my life with Jesus and my life within this faith community in such a way that I'm maturing in my life with God? I can't mature in my life with God without participating in life of the church. That's the thing. That's the teaching of the scripture. And if you struggle with that, or if you think I'm just blowing smoke, then please sit with me. I can show you the over 54 one another commands in the Bible that teach us that we can't do anything in faith without an another who's a part of the local faith. Next. Am I practicing gracious hospitality to my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I being knit together with them by proactively pursuing deeper relationships? Proactively. Instead of just waiting for them to happen, proactively pursuing. You're a ligament. Get in the game. Get in the body. Train, work, right? By serving them. Am I being served by my church family or am I serving my church family? I've got a question for all parents. Are we serving one another's kids or are our kids being served by one another? Do you understand the difference of the question? Like Aaron should never really have a problem having people to fill kids' connect. Should she really like, I mean, really? Like I know some of us aren't called to serve kids, but yet we, some of those of us who have them, we have them. We seem to do it. For those of you who had kids and you're not called to serve kids, I get that you've done your time. Like it's a prison sentence, right? Like Shirley's like, I raised George. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Sorry, bro. You did good, didn't you, Shirley? You're so good. 
Yeah, like yeah, it's like like. <laughs> sorry, bro. See, like, we're not we're not off the hook. Like, really, should we have to ever ask? Like sunshine ministry. Like I've said before, sunshine ministry. Like raise your. Like, I need to stop with the raise your hand thing. Jamie, don't. So sunshine ministry. Like if you're part of this church and somebody's sick, you should get. If you get a call to serve food, whether you signed up or not, you did sign up. Where did you sign up? When you walked, no, not just when you walked in the door, but when you walked in the door and said, this will be my family, that's when you signed up. Sunshine ministry, really, Don, let's be honest. It's just a, it's weird, right? Like people sign up for things. Like you shouldn't, you should just be able to go down CCB, right? And call anybody. You should, and you ought to, and you do. I mean, let's be honest, that's the thing. If you can't do it, if you don't have time to do it, Don, I'll put a knock by your name and you'll not get a gold star. No, I'm just playing. You'll, you'll, you'll get called next time. That's what it means to be a part of the family. A real easy example is this Relay for Life, right? Like, I know we all have work Relay for Lives, and I get that, and that's beautiful. But if we participate in Relay for Life and work, and yet we have a church Relay for Life, why not do that too or do that instead? And again, I'm not guilting you here, so don't take any of this in that way. I'm challenging you to think differently about church today. How you land on this is your prerogative. But I am simply saying that if you're a part of this church, there's a commitment that we have to one another. What about our resources and our finances? So here's the thing. At 2 o'clock today... At two o'clock today, we're going to meet eight men and women from Luanga. They lost everything. They lost everything. They have nothing but the clothes on their back. And this church has taken every one of them shopping for clothes. Here's what we need. We need five families to join us there. I need five of you to meet us at two o'clock so that one family can be with one person and help them pick out clothes. See me after service. Um, Bert, fly through this for a minute. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, boom. That's them. That's the fire. Keep going, Bert. Keep going. That happened in North Carolina. On the 26th of Saturday, many of us are going to drive to North Carolina, and we're going to give 10 backpacks away to kids, and they're going to do a harvest fair for the kids in the poorest areas of North Carolina that was hit by the hurricane where Lisa, where, where Lisa and Barry went, where we've been collecting supplies. And we're going to serve these kids because they lost everything too. Ten bags. It's in the bulletin. It's, did you put it in there? Do we have a chance to put it in the worship God? Okay, so it'll be in the worship God next week. I sent it to John at like Friday night too late. So um, it'll be in the worship God next week. But just know, Saturday, we're going to leave early. We'll come back Saturday night. Yes, it's a long drive. It's a long trip. It's a long day. But this is a chance to be the body of Christ in a different place. Next. Next. You see these two, these two teachers there in Taraqua. Many of you have asked, what are we doing in Taraqua? If you're visiting with us, I don't have time to get into all this, but when we built this children's home, when we joined, when we when we funded the building of the children's home, children's home, there we created jobs, not only with the building project, but also with everything else. And out of that, a church was planted and a school was started, Williamsburg Christian Kindergarten. And it also established uh, strength for the Teldet Christian for the Teldet school there, because it was in the Teldet community. When these 200 children went to this children's home, they were inserted into the Teldet community and it made their school, the local school of the Teldet community was one of the lowest performing schools. Now it's one of the highest performing schools in all of Kenya because of shalom, because of peace. These children who were busted and broken by AIDS and abuse and parents who had died and extended family who wouldn't take them are now finding love and healing because you gave money. Go back, Bert, go back. Just go back, if you don't mind, like backwards to the, to the North Carolina stuff. I know it's a little tricky on that program. 
In the North Carolina stuff, I'm asking you to give your time. We're asking you to give your hands and feet. But here, we're asking you to give money. For the Luanga community, we're going to take up a lot special offering here in a moment. Matter of fact, we'll um, go ahead and start getting your checkbooks and money out. We're going to go ahead and take up a special offering for Luanga here in a minute. So we're going to pass the plates around once. Now, here's the thing. When we do these special offerings, we still need the general offering because we still have regular work to do. But we're going to take out a special offering for Luanga this week and next week, along with our regular general offering. Because our, because our regular offerings go toward funding all these other things that we do as we care for people. But we have chances to do things with our hands and feet. Now go back, Bert, to the, to, the, to the Kenyans. And we need to fund them. So starting in Advent, starting actually in Orphan Sunday, we're going to also ask this church to raise $4,800 because you know how much it costs to employ a teacher? These women aren't getting paid. You know how much they need? $150 a piece to teach these kids. $150 a month. That's all they need. We can do that. Not only that, next slide, Bert. This is Jonathan. I've told you the story of Jonathan. I met him there. He was instrumental in helping these kids find Christ. Jonathan is the pastor now of the Taraqua Christian Church that planted as a result of this work. He needs $100 a month support to do this job. So here's what we're asking. We're asking us as a church to be prayerful and sacrificial because we can, and that's who we are, and we have, God has cattle on the land of a thousand hills, and if we all put in 10 bucks or 110 bucks or 210 bucks or 1,010 bucks, if all of us do something, we carry the burden and we change lives. We need $4,800 to support this work in Kenya for the next year, two teachers to be employed and a pastor to be employed. But over the next two weeks, we need to try and help Luanga build what they've lost because Luanga is a part of our church. Here's the truth of all of this. They're a part of our church. They're just in Kenya, and Luanga is a part of our church. And let's say that money's not your strong suit. Well, the good news for you is it's Next Step Sunday too. And all these tables are set up for you to figure out how you're going to get involved in the life of the church. And I'm asking you to train. Now, what better training than give money? What better training than give time? So train. Train and grow in the purposes of God. And give as you can. And then we sprung it on you this morning. I mean, we put it, I think we put it in the, in the um, email list this week that we we're going to do this, but we'll do it again next week. I think to buy all of them clothes, to buy all of them clothes, I think it's going to be around $1,600 so they can have underwear and socks. They have nothing. And if you want to come and meet us at Walmart at 2 o'clock, let me know ahead of time. And frankly, if the whole church wants to go at 2 o'clock, that'd be great, man. We'll bless Walmart. Walmart needs to be blessed. Bless us in Walmart. We'll bless the register people. We'll bless the people like who are serving. We'll bless everybody there. 2 o'clock. Starting, starting in November. Right, Ray? Dave, is that what we said, starting in November? For the Taraqua stuff? Is that what we said or am I wrong? So much going on. I think we said starting in November on Orphan Sunday, we're going to kick this off and it's going to be our Advent offering through the year. This is our Advent offering as a church. $4,800 for Taraqua. The next two weeks, a special offering for our Taraqua family. Why do we do all this? Because of the offering God gave us in Christ. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of, uh, it's not out of um, coercion. It's out of grace. Graciously we have received, graciously we give. Blessedly we have received, to bless we give.
We have received all that we need. We take care of each other here, and I'm grateful for that. We do take care of each other in this church. I am so thankful for that. Let's continue to train. <laughs>